Uncensored Radio presents Real Life, Real Talk. My name is Michael. Okay, tonight we have a very special show for you. We have Stacey and Bill Maxwell on with us, and we're going to talk about their story and their journey with their son, Michael, who has autism. Can you guys talk about when did you first start seeing signs that something might not be right? The first thing I noticed was he would like to like rock himself. Um, when he started standing and like pulling himself up and walking, he would want to just stand and like rock. And I thought that's kind of he odd. Late to talk. I mean, he's still nonverbal. Looking back on it now, he needed constant stimulation. He was just crying all the time. I also never had boys and they, you know, everyone, oh, don't worry, you know, boys do these things later. Okay. In all the years I did take care, a lot of parents were worried yeah. with boys and I'm like, it's okay, yeah. some of them talk later. So you, people do tend to ignore some of the signs that- well, By the time it was like three is when we started really going, we, we need to have this kind of further looked into and 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 that's when we really started working on all the things that we now that now have become our life. What was that process like getting him diagnosed? How was that for you guys? We were actually really lucky. That would be what's expected here. And I'm just saying yeah. as an Australian, our medical system is very different. We have a system called NDIS, which is um, where anybody with any disability gets allocated a certain amount of money, you know, after they've been assessed to that disability for a lifetime. Like, you know, they will say, well, look, you'll need the amount of money every year. Most people end up waiting for, for a couple of years, maybe even for a diagnosis. After that, they have to wait to get into an ABA program and they have to wait to get to somebody that can actually help them uh, for even longer. And some people are three years into the process before their child is even working towards progress. We were super lucky to not have to go through that. And and we're we're very appreciative of that. We've seen and talked to enough people that had to go through it the other way. What is the ABA program for people that wouldn't know? So ABA is Applied Behavior Analysis, and it is the only scientifically proven method helping individuals on the autism spectrums it's you know client-based and they do things that he's interested in doing and that he needs to do to be able to function in life like learn how to use the toilet and learn how to try new foods learn how to button his own pants it's data-based so you analyze what the individual is doing and you're targeting a certain behavior that you want to change good example is getting him to get his hair cut. It, it started with like just being in the same room with the clippers on mm-hmm. and yeah. and only for a few seconds. And only then you, as and, much as he would tolerate. And then you and that works up to being like now the clippers can just be on as as long as we leave them on and he'll be in the room with them and that's fine. And then you move on to touching them for just a few seconds until until after weeks and weeks it becomes touching it for even longer and longer until he can just touch it for as long as you want him to and then you go to touching it to his face so it's a it was a a nearly three-month process to desensitize him to the clippers Mm -hmm. and to get him to then sit for a haircut it's a slow going process it's a 
heavy on the patience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing know? comes quick, right? It, it's right. all about having routine and setting those goals and if, if you see a little bit of improvement, you can't expect that that's just going to be the new normal. You, you have to understand you, you might go backwards a little bit and then come back to that and then go backwards a little bit more and then come back to that. And you will eventually get a little farther and a little farther and a little farther. It just, you and have I guess, to look a yeah. haircut to the majority of the public seems like such a minor thing. You know, it's something you do, you know, in between other things and whatever. Right. Um, like this is a, a big task that needs a lot of work leading up to it to make this something that's even possible. Right. And, you know, you might say, oh, well, a haircut's trivial. Who cares? Let the kid grow his hair. Well, then it's in his eyes and he's mad about that. And he's in his mouth and it's, you know, then it's a whole other host of issues. He had taken his shoe and sock off and scratched the bottom of his foot and then put his shoe and sock back on. A year ago, without all the hard work we put in in the last year, he, he, I may not have figured out what the problem was, and he would have just thrown a fit and kicked and screamed, and we may not have ever figured out, hey, his foot just stitches. Now we're starting to get to a place where we can figure stuff like that out, and that's all because of the ABA. It's all of that work coming together. And largely centered on helping him to communicate his needs in a way that works for him, mm -hmm. uh, not in a way that works for the adults. I think that's a, a strong misconception about ABA is that you know, you're doing it for the convenience of the people around the, the child. And that's just not true. Everything we do is based on, um, you know, how Michael can be his best self and do what works for him. Um, but now that we are able to communicate in his way, um, it's a lot easier to get through things like that. And, and what was it like before this? Can you explain for people what we're it's just like talking about this, this morning, like having a nonverbal child and you know, something's triggering him, like his sock coming off his shoe and you not knowing, what kind of behaviors did you see? What were his actions and how was it for you guys handling that? I mean, just literally kicking and screaming and clawing at our face and turning the room upside down. Not being able to figure out what he wants or needs. He would just scream and sometimes drag us around the house to various different places where he thought we had whatever he wanted sometimes we could figure it out sometimes we couldn't i this mean this could go on for hours it could be or days. Three, three hours later we're sitting there like this mm. and everyone's crying <laughs> and, and he and he's a mess he's pacing around an anxious mess because that's how he gets when we can't figure out what it is that he wants once he once he realizes oh crap they don't get it then he starts to panic and then he starts to pace around and the anxiety level goes higher and higher and higher. And, and as the parent, sure, all that's frustrating that the child's doing all that. Right. But at the same time, you're watching your child go through this, this kind of deep pain. That's why he's turning the room upside down. That's why he's clawing at right. your face. He's trying to tell you, help me, please help me. And you can't figure it out. And it's awful. And like every part of it is awful. Yeah. While you're while you're trying to figure out how to give them some tools to communicate and to cope, and getting through that process is it's long, and there there's a lot of tears and a lot of sweat and um, uh, some more tears. I, I don't think people really understand that picture either. If you don't have a child that throws a tantrum, that you know that that child's going to outlast you. 
and yeah. how draining and emotional it is as a parent to not be yeah. able to help. How about in that being moment. terrified to tell your child no? Mm-hmm. In a scenario where you just don't have time to fight that fight for two hours. So you just have to say yes, because right yeah. now I, I just yeah. don't have time to do this. I couldn't imagine the stress. I, I knew a doctor. She had her youngest one. She wouldn't take her kids shopping because she was so anxious about telling them no because it was a big thing. Like, yeah. you know, whatever challenges that she had, she just wasn't doing it anymore. She said, I can't take them. She said, I, yeah, I well, click and collect or I go on my own. Like, right. Sometimes it's simply you just don't have time to, you don't no. have the hour to, to fight with them about it. <laughs> yeah, I, that's and for you, me. Coming down here, that's very much what I went through. And everybody on the outside, they're like, oh, well, you're going to spoil them. You need to just tell them, no. I have two hours to deal with a right. tantrum right now. Right. And then as time went on and they're here enough that they finally got to see it, then the light bulb went off and they finally <laughs> started to understand. Like, I'm just trying to get through the day. And that's the thing about not having time to tell them no. And then you just have to tell them yes. Like, we understand that's making it worse. We we get that. Right. Yeah. But it's but it's a we don't have time to do anything about that right now. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, people that aren't in that situation are very, very quick to say, oh, you're feeding it. You're feeding the behavior, whatever. Yeah. They're yeah. not the ones taking the emotional. We're picking our battles and trying to live our yes. life while we make progress on this. Sometimes he would stop eating for a week. He'd get so upset he would stop eating for a week or two weeks. And you can't get him to eat anything. Sometimes he would stop sleeping. His ways of protest were harder on him than anybody else. Right. He has only drank water for the last two years because he refuses to drink anything else because he's afraid we'll put medicine in his drink. Because he he found out he figured out that there was there was medicine in his milk, and now for the last two years, the only thing that he will drink is water, because <laughs> the only way he can be sure there's nothing in it other than water. And it also better be the right temperature. <laughs> oh, see, that's a kid to my own heart right there. Okay. I was going to say, he savvied up to you guys real quick, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the medicine. man, he knows what he likes, huh, buddy? <laughs> medicine in the milk, man. I, I tried that. And it, I had the same issue. It backfired on me. It didn't go so hot. <laughs> yeah, it backfired on us bad. It, it worked until we had to increase the dose, and that's when he tasted it. And then it, it took us um, a year to get him back on the medication. That was probably probably the worst year. <laughs> And how is he on a lot of medication? Is so he's how, just on one medication for his anxiety, and when he's able to, when he's able to cope with things and not get so agitated, he is much more. Um, it helps him focus and able to cope. Then he's able to cope with the things that are bothering him, and then he's able <laughs> to focus and learn things and. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's able to be in, in group settings without the commotion making yeah. him so frustrated. We can't be there anymore. Right. Um, it just it makes it so he can do more things, which has always been our goal with Michael. Like we don't we don't ever want to make this about making us more comfortable. 
It's, right. It's, it's about making him more comfortable. You needing to look after Michael, he needs a full-time carer. He's nonverbal. He needs a lot of attention. So you're unable to work now. I've been Michael's stay-at-home dad now for um, over five years. When the pandemic hit, it was my first year of teaching. So that was swell. I had started my master's program that year as well. Started yeah, my master's program, my first year of teaching, pandemic and hit. how did yeah. that affect what was going on at home? Teaching, going to school? It was pretty bad for the first six weeks because his routine was just ripped out from under him and we were just stuck in the house. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. We would often just go for a drive for a long time with no destination. We decided it was more harmful to him to keep him home than it was to allow him to go to therapy for a full day um, because his therapy is a behavioral health and it's considered an essential service. We picked that back up again. It started getting better and we started getting him back into a routine, which is where he thrives and is the happiest. Yes, we're talking about you. It's okay. Eventually, I started teaching online. Like our our schools went to an online model through the end of the year to be able to be more present at home and not have to be gone from the house all day. Um, you know that was nice. How would you say this has affected your marriage, your social life? You know that we don't have those. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it, but as as far as our marriage, honestly, I I think that we're much closer in a way that would have not been possible had we not gone through this together. I know things about my wife now and her character just amaze me. I may have never learned those things if, if we never met such challenges. Well, it's, you know, it's not without its challenges either, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we just got to tie a knot and hang on and we understand each other like no one gets each other like we do. I don't want to do this with anybody else. It's a make or break, right? Hey, look. Pretty much. And I'm fine with that. I don't need another option. Do you have friends, family that help out, or is it just you guys? We're it. It's just us. There, there's nobody nobody that can like come and even sit with him for a couple of hours. We, we don't go out to dinner. And we haven't for so long that we just like don't even really want to anymore. And we <laughs> could hire somebody to come and sit with him for a couple hours, but it's the only person we even trust that we would trust to do that lives all the way in Seattle and getting them here is impossible. And I was going to say he's verbal. So it's, uh, it's big... scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, so that's the know. other part of it is if we did do that, do you think we're out having fun? No, we're out wondering and worrying about what's going Stressing on at home. The whole entire time we're gone. Staring at the yeah. phone, keep make sure the volume's on. And it's not like we're just those kind of parents. We right. have older kids that we were just fine to. <laughs> right. They would stay at home. They did, you know, once they were old enough, they could stay on their own. It's not like we're just crazy helicopter parents that are afraid to leave our kid. We will get there. That that's part of the reason for all the hard work and all the all the therapy sessions. Where we're headed, we're headed to a place where where we can leave him with somebody else for a couple hours and and he can communicate with us even while we're gone. He, he can communicate his wants. I mean, like he can tell us if he's hungry and kind of what he wants, or he can yeah. tell us if he needs to use the bathroom. More complex communication where you sit and have any kind of conversation with the child is is just not possible at this point. Not yet, anyway. Let's yeah. talk about some of the milestones that he's hit throughout COVID, being home with you guys. Have you found the benefits of being with him more, and what does that look like? He was able to finally 
toilet himself. That, that was a huge stress that came off this year was him finally deciding that he would use the toilet. He's known how to use the toilet for a while. We just took some convincing to get him to actually do it. And yeah. I think we were able to do that because we were we, finally able to get him back we, on his medication. And and we had him at home him. so much that we were able to focus on it. And I think if he had been in school that whole time, that I don't think that would have happened. Michael has had other kind of milestones that aren't as obvious. Just being able to focus in general, like be able to, to refocus. So if something he's not expecting comes up that used to kind of would blow everything up and now you can't get him to focus and now you're pretty much all done with whatever it is you're trying to get him to do but now unexpected challenges can can come up and he's able to refocus and kind of come back to the party and and that's all that's all new and again i think that that's kind of all the hard work paying off we're talking about like walking down a, a city park trail and coming to where you have to just turn around and go the other way and having a full on meltdown, kicking, yeah. screaming on the ground. So we're getting better at not doing that. So, anymore. <laughs> so now we can be like, Oh, we're going to turn around and go the other way. Okay. Getting him to wear a mask. What was that process? Like he didn't resist it a whole lot. Yeah. It just took him. It was another one of those things where he put it on for like five seconds the first week. And then the next week he had to put it on for 10 seconds. And the next week he had to put it on for 30 seconds and so on and so forth until he finally was just wearing it after six weeks or so. What have you guys found that has been extra expenses that people wouldn't realize, you know, that you have to deal with? Well, for starters, things like buying diapers until they're eight years old. Right. Um, that, that's it's a pretty expensive. major extra extra expense. Big expense. Um, no, other is, is tearing holes in the walls or ripping a lamp apart or shredding who knows what that you didn't expect to be shredded that day. When you can't communicate with your child, you really never know what's happening up there. So you could walk in, your laptop could be taken apart. Sure, you're frustrated, but you can't punish them for much. Yeah. You know, like, right, right, right. angry at them because not, he's not going to get it, is he? No. Right. He's, he's not just going to think. He's not going to understand why you're angry. No, no he's going to think you're angry because you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, right. That's what he's going to think. And then he's going to treat you accordingly. In the last few months, I guess, he can sort of be reasoned with. I like, think he's able to understand a, a larger amount of what, what we're saying now. Yeah. So that right. that's helping with him being more cooperative because he actually understands the words coming out of her mouth. He's had some pretty significant progress in his receptive language over the last year. So guys, look, the challenges oh, for you are you're living in a place now that's really suitable for Michael and you want do you want to be in an environment that is going to be a little bit more conducive to his development? Well, there are multiple problems with where we're living now. One is it's an apartment situation and the people on the other side of the wall don't always understand that our child is autistic and we can't tell them stop banging on the wall. I mean, sure, we can tell them stop banging on the wall, but that doesn't mean he's going to stop banging on the wall. Yeah, it could just <laughs> um, turn into a fit where he's screaming and then they would just... And it, well, and then we can it. follow him around all day and tell him over and over and over, stop banging on the wall. And we do. But... That that's just these are the some of the things that make our life more stressful living here. Um, there's no yard. There's nowhere that he can go outside and play. 
Um, we live in the kind of neighborhood, unfortunately, that if I were to let him go play in the bushes, he might find a, a needle or a can that somebody smoked something out of or who knows what. Um, right. It's just it's just not it's not a, you can't let him go play outside. So when we do go play outside, I have to like drive somewhere and and with this when COVID came and that that got a little harder and we had to go places where there were no other people in order to go out and play anywhere. So then you just have to it just it just got harder to you can't always drop everything, jump in the car and in order for your kid to go outside and play, right. you have to do a whole outing. Um, well, I imagine too, if you're going to a busy park, it's probably a little bit of a challenge, right? It can yeah. be. He wants to be in the areas that there are less people, like for sure. He wants to. He wants to be in the kind of wooded areas. He he would rather be hiking in the woods than playing in like a play area with swings and slides and stuff. We play state park bing state park bingo a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just go walk around the state parks and just let him kind of explore and that that's his favorite he loves it it's his favorite that's thing awesome like that's a yeah. great activity for him to bonus if there's a little bot of body of water somewhere so that's if we had a backyard place. where he could go and play out in the woods right behind the house um and we could like have a spot to do that at home it would it would change our life and in a way that I that I can't even put into words. I know a little bit of your backstory. You talked about nobody in either one of your families at home, so it would kind of be a very amazing special thing for all of you as a yeah. whole family, right? To have yes. to have like a family home that kind of the the place that everybody goes for. You know, that's the hope, anyways. Like this situation now, like you know, you've you've given up your working life because Michael now requires, you know, full attention. Uh, Stacy, how's it impacted on your working life? It's actually been easier since I started teaching because I'm more in control of my schedule and I don't have to be out of the house for as many hours of the day. Yes. Um, before I was teaching, I was working, you know, an eight to five, Monday through Friday, all year long. And so now I'm... You know, I leave the house at like 640 or whatever on a, on a day that I'm on time and um, I, I can leave school at three o'clock. I don't always leave school at three o'clock, but um, I can. And so she's never left school at three o'clock. <laughs> I believe that. I did. The options there. The teachers are <laughs> undervalued, man. It is so much work off the clock. It's a lot, but it's it's awesome. I love it. And I have summers off, so that's awesome. What did you go back and get your master's for? Like that part touched my heart so much. I figured out that the way that I wanted to help my son was to become a board certified behavior analyst because those are the individuals that um, build ABA programs and implement them. Yep. And I wanted to be able to speak the same language as the professionals that worked with him. A lived um, experience, more or less. Yeah, so I... You're bringing that to the table. Oh, yeah. Learning the vocabulary so that we can understand what these people are talking about is, is half the battle. So in order to become a board-certified behavior analyst, you have to have 
a bachelor's degree and a master's degree with specific coursework to qualify to even sit for the board exam to become a board certified behavior analyst. So I started at the bottom and I got a teaching degree and then I started teaching and got my master's. I think it's an amazing thing and anybody that gets to work with you is going to be so blessed because there's so many people that get a degree but have no life experience and you're coming from this place of living it. I think you're going to change a lot of lives. Well, I really appreciate that. I love my students a whole lot and um, I think, you know, I've had parents tell me, you know, I I so appreciate that you really get it and I'm like, well, I I do get it and, you know, it's cool. That's the big thing now that's been introduced in Oz is um, in Australia, we, there's a big focus now in academia world because, you know, it was always about degrees and marks and whatever. There's now a big focus on bringing in people that actually have lived experience, especially with, you know, child development, um, child's health, mental health, all of these different areas where they're now valuing a lived experience because yeah. They're the people, you know, they know, you know, we can all literally read the reason updates. I got hired at this teaching mm-hmm. job from where I'm from in New York, having two kids, they weren't diagnosed. They were in the foster care system. It was a living nightmare at the agency that we went through for private foster care. And it was for, um, you know, it, it was for children with issues. The people that would come that were the clinicians. Yeah, they're fresh out of college. They're, they were very mm-hmm. young and they had no life experience. So they, they know how to read this book and what this book mm-hmm. says should work. But when it came to practical things, I'm like, um, hi, that's not going to work here. So that book, you need to take it and throw it out and let's start over. And yeah. it, it was a real challenge in finding people that knew how to work with kids with behavioral issues or mine like to tell a lot of stories. Uh, I get a lot of calls from school. They were worried, like, um, is everybody okay? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, Aiden said the kitchen caught on fire. You know, things that were just, or that he drove his grandmother's car and the cops were chasing him. You know, he put a cigarette off the stove, his mother, and I'm like, he hasn't seen his mother. That never happened to you. Now, guys, you've set a goal of of $50,000. Yeah, and you've you've reached you know over half the halfway point now. It's in the thirties, right? Yeah, it's oh, it's thirty three thousand seven hundred. It was earlier and, today. And it's amazing. And right, you're, humans you're, are amazing, and, aren't and, they? And it's all donations from people who don't know us personally. Those, Never these met these them. are all just kind individuals that I've met on Twitter, and yep. who have seen Michael's story and and decided they wanted to help us. What are some of the reactions? Can you think of any that stand out? Have you heard? I'm sure people are messaging you from all over the place. Some messages that tell me I'm some kind of super dad, and to, to, and well, that's what his like Disney you. Plus profile says. That's super dad. <laughs> <laughs> the DMs that I like the most, I think, are the ones from other people who have been where we're at and yeah. like to tell me where they're at now and and how and they tell me their story and they tell me about their their child that has now graduated college and doing whatever it is that they wanted to do with their life all of these success stories from 
other parents that have been through it and and the people that do get it and the people that do understand what we're going through and you know you're not alone yeah yeah when you when you can kind of feel like hey other people do get it all the way like they understand that noise most people uh you know they get like you know when you have a child that doesn't have challenges it's still so you you're filled with anxiety as a parent from the day dot right like you want the best outcome and then when these challenges are in place like it's it, it it's a lot on people and i think that most of society would would always in the hand you know like we're still a community most people we've come across are, are pretty kind and generally want to be helpful the vast majority of people that you come across or at least that i have come across and and our journey of doing this yeah have responded in a, a positive a more positive way than we ever could have dreamed really um the outreach from people um we had somebody send us a, a magic weighted blanket for michael um, he got a couple of Christmas cards. <laughs> you know, like um, he just... loves to rip paper, so that was <laughs> <laughs> thanks for those cards, guys. People had really connected with kind of the whole the whole story, and and I mean, when you look at Michael, and he's about as adorable as kids get, so I'm sure yeah. that doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're biased, and we don't care. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. If you guys could predict the future where would you want to be in 10 years oh 10 years oh 10 10 we're jumping 10 years we're going a decade let's try it um we will 10 years from now we'd like to see michael graduating from high school hopefully at that point we've lived in the home that we're about to buy for nine years and He's comfortable and happy and loves it there. Also, in 10 years, Michael graduate from high school in a behavior program that I have created for him. Um, and I think that's going to happen. Low you know, key thinking about a PhD. Oh, all right, Miss Lane. You go get it now, girl. All right. <laughs> just, just no more school for a little while. <laughs> hey, Daddy needs a little bit of a break, Mom. <laughs> Most of those programs require at least two years of teaching anyways, so it would be a a while. Well, I might become an advocate also, which will take some work. So she would need to take some time off from school so that I can do some school. Um, That's amazing. Fantastic. But then we'll be all the way armed to to help Michael and others like, because that's the plan isn't just to to stop with Michael, is the plan is this is what we're going to do with our life. Is, well, let's is, say though, guys, it's, it goes without saying though that this whole experience has has changed you both as people. Oh, completely. And, it, yeah. And I have found patience that I did not know life. was possible. Along with that, Michael's also changed our direction in life. Um, I think all for the better. You know, yeah. we, we I, have yeah. we we have goals now that we never would have had before. I would not have gone back, back to you earlier though. Like it's it's really made you guys a team as well. Like you guys are in it together now. Like you oh, really, yeah. yeah. Like you know, it's a make or break, as I was saying earlier. It's I can't wait to see the great things that come from both of you. What would you guys like to say to all the people that have donated and that have messaged you throughout this whole journey? I, I just think that they couldn't 
possibly know the impact that they have. Um, I, yeah, it's it's going we're, to change our lives, and and we're, we're we're beyond grateful for that. We're able to dream a big dream that we would not have been able to before, um, with without the wonderful response we've gotten from this, and without all all of the amazing people that have helped with this, we would not be in a position to be buying a house and moving out of this apartment and helping improve Michael's life and preparing for his future, whatever preparing that for looks his like. Future, um, it, it just, it, it has opened a door that will change our life forever. And I can't say how much I appreciate that. Make sure that you go and you can follow them on Twitter. It'll be posted below and then make sure you go and check out their GoFundMe for Michael's future and donate to Help them get house and let's change their lives, guys. We could do it. You know, guys, I want to say that, you know, life throws all of the challenges, right? And we've, we get, you know, whatever thrown at us. But I also think there's also, I think a lot of challenges are thrown at us because we're the people equipped to deal with it. And I think, you know, Michael's so so blessed to have two parents that love him so much that are able to do Absolutely. so much for him and able to give themselves and i mean look at everything like you like you're able to stay home with him now and stacy able to you know further your education to benefit him and not only him but other people's children as well i think it's it's a blessing it's amazing and it's just you know something that is a gift to the world, you know? Like that's I, the important part Michael, for us is that, you know, we, he, it's not just about us. Like there are lots of kids like Michael um, and they don't all have crazy parents like us that are gonna like go <laughs> to the extreme or, or, or don't, aren't able to do that. Um, so we wanna advocate for them and help those yeah. kids and those families too. But Bill and Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so uh, much for having us. And, and, you know, and just discussing Michael's journey with you guys. And, and I'm so glad that the world is sort of reaching out and that the community is really contributing and like, and, and feeling like, you know, this is an important thing and you guys are giving back. That's what, that was my big point before as well as that this life experience for you both has you have you has you both contributing to a bigger picture and be willing to change your idea of what progress is we just have to remind ourselves to pull the lens back and look at the big picture sometimes
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.